0: I am so excited for this series called As For Me In My House. This this series is so personal for me because I just, I happen to be privileged. I didn't even know how privileged it was to grow up in the home that I grew up in. So I'm going to unpack some of that today. But I believe God wants to turn things around in your home. I'm convinced of that. And I know the enemy is attacking our homes right now. And so I'm very excited about this series. I'm glad you guys are with us. My kids grew up in, in our home. And whenever I would drop the kids off at school in the morning, it was kind of like the dad time, you know, And so I always had that time. When I would drop them off at school, I would always say the same thing. I always, I'd always say to them, you're destined for, and then they would say back to me, greatness. So they've always grown up learning that. So when my son Mason was in junior high, um, they were going through these drills that they do. You know, it's kind of sad they have to do this, but they have to do it. They did like these gunman drills. Like if some gunman came into school, everyone needs to know where you hide, where you go. And so Mason (laughs) literally said this. To his, teen, to his classmates he goes, hey, I need to get in very back. I need y'all all in front of me because I'm destined for greatness. <laughs> I was like, Mason, I think God has a plan for those kids too. It's not just you, so, you know. But I love the fact that my kids had a lot of confidence. It's one thing my, my children don't lack is confidence. And I, I love that because there's gonna be a season, there's gonna be a time when they're discouraged, when they're down, when they go through some kind of failure. And I hope and pray that they remember, wait a minute, I've been told my whole life, by my mom and my dad, that I am destined to do great things. And so, you know, we do make that kind of an impact on our children, I just wanna encourage you to pour things like that into your children as well. I'm excited about this message because there's a guy in the Bible named Joshua. He was 80 years old when he gave us this famous statement. Maybe you've heard it before, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But what I wanna do today is give us some context. He was 80 years old, he's an old man, but he still ran out into battle. He was still a part of the army. Think about that. He's eight years old. He's like, I may be slow, but I'll cut you. You know what I mean? That's this guy. Like he was not afraid. I mean, this guy was something, man. And so he was one of the early spies in the Bible that went and spied out the promised land. He was the ol- one of the only guys that had faith to believe they could take it. And then years later, he got to go into the promised land. Anyways, this guy was just amazing. He led an army to, to, to great victories. And so he's one who said this, let me read this scripture to you, Joshua chapter 24. He said this. And, it is, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers serve in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, hey, you may think it's evil for me to serve my God, but I disagree, I'm gonna serve my God. Isn't it interesting that literally 5,000 years later, Think about this. Thousands of years later, people still today are trying to say that following Christ is somehow evil. Have you noticed that people are now saying what's good is bad, and people that are doing bad, they're now trying to say is good. Anyone else notice this in our culture? So some things just don't change, but we have to make a decision and say, no, we believe in God. We believe in his word. And as for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. Now notice what Joshua does. He doesn't say, I've made a decision, I'm going to follow God, and I hope my house follows the Lord. No, he says, no, no, I've made a decision for my house. And so I want to point out something that may be kind of obvious, but it's very unpopular today in 2023, and that is that Joshua led his family. He was the father in this home. He was a husband He said, I'm making the decision to follow Christ, and I'm also making the decision for everyone else in my home that we're going to follow Christ. That is called spiritual leadership. And so that's what he says. He said, I'm not letting you make decisions. He knew something that we need to understand parents. We're supposed to be the mature ones. So the immature can't make the decision yet. You have to make the decision for them. Does that make sense? And so you say, I, I know you don't understand this yet. And I know you don't quite get consequences yet because your prefrontal cortex is not completely developed until about age 25 or 26, which is why we make really dumb decisions in our early 20s. It's because we don't quite understand the consequences of what we're doing today what results is gonna give us. So we're gonna make decisions for our kids before they screw their lives up. So I'm gonna decide for you. My father decided for me that I was going to church. My father decided for me that I was going to camp. My father decided for me that I was gonna to go to Sunday school and to youth group and, and to the Christian clubs and all the things. And so they made those decisions for me. And now looking back, I'm thankful. I had other friends, had parents that didn't make those decisions for them. Yep. I remember thinking, did you ever have this thought? that one of your friend's parents were so cool? Oh, they're so cool. They let them party and stay out late and do all kinds of crazy stuff. They're the cool parents. But everyone I knew who had those cool parents when they're 30 and have their own kids ended up going back to their mom and dad and confronting them and saying, what the heck were you thinking? Because it leads to disastrous decision-making. And so I need to tell you something. You're not supposed to be cool. Some of your parents right now are like, that's no problem. I'm not cool. Well, we're good. I'm I tell my kids, I used to be cool. You ruined me. We were the very definition of cool, weren't we, parents? And then our kids ruined us. We were so cool. <laughs> but you have to make those decisions for them. So he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want to talk to some of the ladies here today who are a little frustrated here and just like, you yeah, know, Pastor Bill, that sounds great. My husband is no longer my husband. He's not in our house anymore. My kids don't have a man in the house. They see him every four to six weeks. I mean, or every other week for a little while, but, but they don't have that influence. I got a, a great verse for you. This is what God wants to give you today. It says in scripture in Psalm 68, God says, I'm a father to the fatherless. And so here's what we love about God. This is why he gave us his church. He said, you, you may say, well, he doesn't, my, my, my son or daughter does not have a, a spiritual man in their life. If they come to church, they got hundreds of spiritual men in their life. Amen. Through children's church, through youth group. You know, and so God, I love this about the Lord. He always provides a surrogate. Maybe, maybe you didn't have a, a father in your home or maybe you had a father that was there, but they weren't there. They weren't really leading. But I bet if you're, if you're blessed by God, and, and I think almost all of us have this, someone in your life was there. Maybe it was a, a godly uncle or a grandfather. Maybe it was a, a Christian coach you had or a teacher or a professor or a youth minister. Aren't we glad that God always provides some surrogates in our lives that are, th- that, are that masculine spiritual influence? It's so critical that we have that. But I want to challenge the men today. Men, it's time to make a personal decision to follow Christ. He didn't say, ask for my house to serve the Lord. This is what men like to do. Oh, y'all go on the church. I'm not going to do it, but y'all go. No, that's not what the Bible says. He says, as for me, I'm personally deciding I'm going to follow God. And now I'm inviting my family to join me. See, good leadership leads by example. And so can we just give it up for our men who are in God's house today? You are leading by example. Good job, guys. You have no idea the impact and the difference you're making just by being here, just by being that influence. My mother used to take me and my sister to church without my father for years. She prayed for him. She did not preach at him. She did not judge him. She loved him and prayed for him. And eventually, God got a hold of my father's life. But it was years before that. So don't give up. Your story is still being written. God is not through. But men make a decision today. Men, I want to tell you something. And again, this is unpopular in a world where they're trying to demasculize men and they're trying to push for what we call a matriarchy rather than a patriarchy, where a father leads. I want to challenge men to understand this. This does not mean, the Bible does not say you're to lord over people. Instead, it says you are to be the first to serve. They're first to say, I'm sorry. The first to be plugged in. The first to come to church. The first to get in the car to go to church. The first to challenge people to do the right thing. It, that's what it means to be a godly man. And there's nothing wrong with taking your rightful place to lead your family. And I have found that women are longing for you to do this. They want you to take that place and say, I'm going to lead my family spiritually. They're longing for that. So I want to challenge you to take your place. And understand, you have an oversized impact on your family for good or bad. Either you are a massive blessing to your family because you're honoring the Lord or you don't even realize you're creating a burden or worse, you're creating a wound. And the reason you already know this is true because many of you have a father and we all have fathers. They either created a blessing in your life or a wound. And sometimes it's a combination. I wanna challenge you to let God to begin to bring healing to you. But some of the best fathers I know did not have one. And they are motivated by that to say, I will not let my kids grow up with a wound like I had. But would you let God, yeah. Would you let God begin to do a work on your heart to bring healing to you and forgiveness, even to your father who was not there? I believe God, wants to begin to bring healing to you because it can be different for the next generation. So the first thing that Joshua says is, hey, as for me, I'm gonna serve the Lord. But he also said, and my house, right? And so this is really important, men. We need to take that oversized influence we have and use it for good. So number two is I wanna challenge you to insist on every member of your family being involved in church. Not just go on the church, being involved in church. Insist on it, use the influence you have. You know how I know you have influence? Think about this. I bet whatever sports team you like, you like it because your father liked them. Right? My poor children are Texans fans. I have ruined them. You know, I mean, because why are they fans of Texas? Because I'm a fan of the Texans, right? They watched me grow up, they watched me in our home, watching Texans games, watching Rockets games. At least the Astros were good, but we used to call them the Disasteros, they used to be terrible, now they're really good. But I'm telling you, I grew up in Houston, so I'm a fan of all those teams, and so my, my kids are fans of those teams, right? Why? Because they watch your dad. So here's how you know you have influence, is that they're rooting for who you're rooting for. You have great influence. So what you pour your heart and soul into, they will also do that. But I want to challenge you to insist that they be involved in the church. Scripture says in Psalms 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Men, are you glad when it's church time? Are you like, oh, let's go, it's Sunday, let's do it. Are you excited about being here? Psalms 92 says this, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. When you are planted in a church, you will flourish, you will thrive. You want your family to thrive? Just keep showing up. That's it. Just simply being here makes a huge oversized impact because your family comes with you and then everyone is influenced. You want to see what the godly family looks like? Check out this video.
1: My name is Christopher Madrid. Um, I've been coming to Church Unlimited for the past three years. And this is my wife, Philette. I started serving I want to say around two years ago. I've always been a creative so I felt like production was a good area for me and I am the person who runs the camera that's flying around over people's heads during worship. Serving has made one of the probably the biggest impact on our lives where i was at my lowest it gave me a hope it gave me something to look forward to every sunday if i hadn't started serving i probably can honestly say that i probably wouldn't be here right now during worship the the room truly fills with the spirit and there's nothing better than being there with the worship team and the holy spirit and just closing my eyes and raising my hands up in worship nothing beats that yeah, and we feel that one of the best ways to worship is through tithing. The biggest impact giving has made in my life has been breaking off uh, a spirit of, of poverty. I gave God the opportunity to break that off of me. And once I started tithing and understood and learned that, that through tithing, I get to enhance the kingdom of God, that was a game changer for me. When we're giving to the church, God is using us as, as a vessel to bless other people. So if we're not giving, we can't have this church, like people before us came and and believed in the mission and gave so that now we can sit in these seats and have this church being plugged in to a church, like Church Unlimited and being planted in good soil. There's nothing to match that.
0: Isn't that powerful? Love that. You know, one of my favorite parts of that video was when Chris said, you know, at my low, serving made a difference. Did you catch that? Because sometimes we think, oh, I'll start serving, you know, when I get my life together. Whenever I kind of get spiritual and get things figured out and get all this, this sin out of my life, then I'll start serving. No, he said, no, when I'm at my low, serving helped me. Did you catch that? So when you sign up for serving is when you feel like you can't serve. So God, listen, listen, if you feel like, well, I have to be qualified, let me tell you something. God qualifies the unqualified. He uses us when we're broken. You know how I know that? I'm preaching today. God uses broken people. That's how God works. You don't have to have it all together to serve. You don't have to have it all together to become a giver. Just say, you know what? I just want to make a difference. As simple as that. And begin doing that. And God is blessed and is using greatly. Chris and Verlet, Madrid, powerful couple, just said, you know what? We're going to serve. We're going to give. We just want to make a difference. And I love how they even knew. I love how she said, people before me made it possible for me to be here. Isn't that powerful? I love the wisdom to realize that. This, don't take it for granted. It's a privilege to be here. You know, Portland, right now you're watching in a building, you're sitting in a seat that someone else paid for. Praise God, now you can give forward and say, I want to now make a difference, you know? But right now, did you know when you give, you help us start churches right now in Pakistan? I was just talking to my man in Pakistan. He's doing a great work. His name's Moses. He's over there making a huge difference. They're literally killing Christians right now. And I, was, I called him. because I, I said, are you safe? Are you okay? He called me real quick late at night. It was daytime, nighttime there. And we were talking on the phone. And he was like, I'm fine. I'm good. God's got me. I'm like, man, this guy is so confident. He's a gunslinger for Jesus. This guy doesn't care. And he said to me, I'll be fine. I'll be a machine gun preacher if I have to. That's what he said. I was like, this guy's not scared. I love his faith Aren't you glad your church does not just make a difference locally, but around the world, we get to impact people? Did you know the Church in Limondo was a part of reaching 80,000 people in the last year and a half in Pakistan? Woo-hoo! Praise God. What a blessing. What a blessing it is. Now, I want to show you something. Well, one more thing I want to mention about this point. This is a big deal. Jessica and I were vacationing in Colorado recently. We were up in the mountains and we were just driving through some small towns. I didn't even know the names of these towns. And we stopped in this really quaint little town, and Jessica went and look around. We just all kind of walked the little streets, and, and we're on the main street. And she says, oh, look up there. There's a, there's a restaurant on top of that building. We should go up there and just get something to drink and maybe a snack. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So we go up to the top, really beautiful views, all, mountains all around us. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're sitting there, and I hear what I don't expect to hear at all. I hear, Pastor Bill? And I'm like, there's no way. There is no way. And I turn, and I'm like, you And this young lady comes up to me. And she begins to cry. She tears her eyes. She says, are you pastor? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know you're on vacation. Obviously, if you're here. And she said, I just didn't expect to hear Pastor Bill. And she goes, but I want to tell you, you changed my life. And she begins to tell me about it. She said, I grew up in South Texas. My mom and I, my dad, this is a true story. She said, my dad left me when I was, left us when, we were four, when I was 14. And we didn't know what to do. My mom brought us to church. And she said, and you made such an impact where my father wasn't there. And I was, so, I was like, I felt like she gave me a Grammy. I was like, are you kidding me? This is so kind, but it just reminded me of the power of the church. And now she's a mom and she was there with her husband. Godly man got to talk with him and now they've got great kids and now they've broken that chain. And now they're raising kids in a godly home. Isn't that beautiful? Your story is still <laughs> being written. God's not through. I wanna tell you one of the greatest things you can ever do for your kids, and I wanted to start with the fathers today. I wanna to challenge you to do something that maybe you never thought about. One of the greatest weapons against the enemy you have is your personal testimony. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, and they overcame the devil because of the blood of the lamb. That's the cross, right? Christ died for us. And because of their, wor- their word of their testimony. So how do you overcome the devil in your family? By introducing Christ right to your family, following him. But also by your testimony, Did you catch that? And so I want to challenge you that you have a testimony. Some of you are like, "Oh, I don't have a testimony this year." Yes, you do. However, you found Christ, share that testimony. My father is still with me, thank God. He's eighty-seven. He'll be here next service. He comes every 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 week at the one o'clock. Yeah, I'm glad to have him still. My mom and my dad, and my dad, uh, he worked for NASA in the late '60s early '70s in Houston. That's why we were in Houston, and. Uh, you have to understand in the late 60s, this was the smartest people on the planet all working for the same pl- people. I mean, they, they were tasked by John F. Kennedy to put someone on the moon. And they took that task very serious. And so everyone around him was brilliant. They were all the best at what they did. And they all had the same goal. And he said, they were all really smart and really smug. Like they were cocky, basically. And he said, and, he said, and I was one of them. He would tell you this, if he was here, he'd say, oh yeah, I thought I knew. I, he said, I knew everything he wanted to know. And he said, so I thought these Christians, even though he accepted Christ as a little boy, he had not followed God since. Married my mom. My mom brought us to church. He didn't want to come. She said, you want to go today? And he said, nope. Every morning, this would, every Sunday morning. No, y'all go ahead. He stayed home. Because he thought that's just a crutch. He told me, he said, I just thought religion was a crutch. The Christians, they were just weak. I don't need all that stuff. I'm smarter than that. I'm better than that. So one day my mom says, hey, there's this retreat going on at our church and a lady down the street was gonna let, let, let us use her home, and, but her husband got sick. And so I, I asked, she, she said, if it's okay, I, I told them they could use our home. And he was like, you did what? She's like, yeah, if that's okay. He was like, oh, sure, fine. So he thought it was gonna be a bunch of ladies having like a Bible study and he would just stay in the back room. But then in walks a bunch of couples and he's like, ah, now we knew I gotta sit in, right? He did not wanna do this. I love this testimony. He said, he said so I sat down next to my wife, right? And they all sat around the table and they, uh, around, around in chairs in the living room. And they said at the very first couple the next them, they said, hey, let's all go around and share how Jesus has changed our life. So they start sharing their testimonies all around the room. And he realizes I'm the last one they're going to get to. And he thought, you know what? No problem. When they get to me, I'm going to set them all straight. That's what he thought. He said, I'm going to let them all know how ridiculous this is and how they're all wrong. And he said, I sat there and I listened to every person. Man man, and woman, their testimony is how Jesus changed your life. And he said, it got to me. And he said, I broke. And every time my dad shares, he cries. He said, I broke. And I said, I need help. I don't have what you guys have. And I need what you have. And he gave his life to Jesus that morning. And he's been radically following Christ ever since. It's amazing. You know... My dad's testimony was so so just night and day from him just serving God that other churches began to invite him to come share his testimony. So as a little kid, I would be the tag along, me and my sister, and we'd go to some church, we didn't even know, we'd sit in in, in the audience and my mother and father would get up there and my mom would say, well, it's not my testimony. I give glory to God, it's my my husband's. And he would start to share and he would begin to cry. Every time my dad cried, every time my sister and I would cry too because my dad thought he was sharing that testimony to win people to Christ, but what he didn't know is he was winning his own son. Because as a little boy, as a little boy, I would say, I want to be just like my dad. I want to follow Jesus just like my dad does. I want to let you in on something, men. Every little boy and little girl wants to be just like their dad. They all want that. You have no idea the influence you have. My father's testimony to hundreds of people has helped lead this church, reach tens of thousands of people. And I thank God for his personal testimony. Here's what I want you to do. I want to challenge you. Number three, there is power in your personal testimony. Tell your testimony to your children and make your faith real to them. There's this great story in in John chapter nine. John was just an eyewitness of Jesus. He just happened to be there. and, and, uh, And he heard, he saw Jesus heal a blind man. Right there in front of him, everyone's freaking out, of course. They all knew this guy when he was blind, and now he can see. And theologians and scholars began to argue back and forth. Well, why was he blind? Was it because his parents were sin, or was it because of his sin? They always thought it was because of sin if you had something wrong in your life, which is so jacked up. That's another story. But guess what? They're arguing back and forth, and the blind man that's now can see walks up and goes, hey, guys, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but here's all I know. I was blind, now I can see. That was his testimony. Let me tell you something about your testimony. You don't have to have all the theological answers to have your own story. All you gotta tell your kids is I was screwed up and now I'm good. I was jacked up, now I've been put back together. I was depressed, now I've been set free. Just share your story, whatever your story is. and. And maybe you're like me when I thought, well, oh, I don't have much of a testimony, right? My wife and I kind of, kind of honored God even as a young kid. Both of us did. I always tease my wife like when she was really rebellious, she like ran around a table with scissors in her hands. That's her rebellion. That's it. You know, like it lasted about a minute, right? But no, the truth is, is our story is that we weren't saved out of a big mess. We were saved from a big mess. So it's okay. If your story was crazy and wild and you did all kinds of nutty things in high school and college, that's fine. Share that with your kids. Some of you are like, oh, I can't tell them what I used to do, what I did. I hate to break it to you, they probably already know a little bit. And your family kind of knows you. Why don't you get honest and say, here's the things I did that I regret, but Jesus forgave me, restored me, made me new. If you don't share those things, your kids will end up doing the same things. So when I challenge you, you say, I can't tell them because it's going to give them permission. No, no, no. No, what gives them permissions when you don't share. If you'll share and say, listen, this is who I was, but God changed my life and I want better for you. I wanna challenge you today at lunch, share your testimony with your kids. Just take a moment to go around the table, or around the car when you're driving, wherever you're gonna go eat or whatever, and just say, everyone, let's just share a testimony and let your kids hear it. Because here's what I wanna tell you what doesn't work, is when you look at your kids and you go, you need to go to church, you need to love God. It doesn't work when you say, I was broken, I was messed up, I gave my life to Jesus, here's when I did it, where I did it, here's where I was, what I was doing, and God changed me. Then your faith becomes real to your kids. And you look at your kids and say, what's your Jesus story? And if they don't have one, then theirs just begin. Because then you can lead your own children to Christ. I'm telling you, your personal testimony is a game changer for your children. The Bible says this. It says, parents will tell their children what what you have done. They will retell your mighty acts. We are to share about what God did in our generation so that God can continue to do something new in the next generation. You can make a massive impact. Maybe you feel like, oh, pastor, I I can't do that because I have a broken relationship with my kids. God can restore that. I was just praying with a couple earlier that are hurting from this message. I love it, but I'm I'm hurting because I don't have that. Oh, God can restore that. There's a true story about a father and son in Mexico. Years ago, this is before the internet, before there were cell phones. This father and son did not get along like a lot of fathers and sons. The son wanted his own freedom. Thought I'm the man of the house now, you know, who's living with, with his father and mother, and the father was like, No, I'm the man of the house, right? And so this is kind of a common issue. They got in a big fight one day, and the son left and never returned. He didn't know how to get a hold of him. The son never reached out. It had been years since he talked to them. Years later, the father goes to church, gives his life to Christ. God changed his life in Mexico. He didn't know how to get a hold of his son, so he just thought to be creative. He really wanted to have a relationship with him. So he wrote a letter in the local paper. And this is what the letter said. It said, Dear Paco, I'm so sorry I have not been the father I should have been. I want you to know God has got a hold of me. Please forgive me. I want to have a relationship with you from now forward. If you're reading this, please meet me in the town square at noon on Saturday. He went to the town square that ran in the paper. You went to the town square that Saturday. There were over a thousand Pacos in the town square. Because how many people are broken and wounded from their father? Let God begin today to bring healing to your relationship with your father, even if your father is no longer here. Let your heavenly father bring his grace and cover the damage and bring restoration to you. You say, Pastor, I don't have that opportunity anymore. But you have an opportunity to break the chain in the next generation for your kids not to have that story. You can can change that today. You can start right now. By the way, next week, I want to encourage you to be here. I'm excited about continuing this series. Next week's message is called How to Protect Your Children in Our Crazy World. We're going to give you something. We're going to give it away for free. It's a $150 value. We're giving each of you one if you want it. What is called is a cell phone permit. I have a friend in Minnesota. In Minnesota, they go, in Minnesota? Ah, you betcha. That's how they talk there. Anyways. (laughs) He's a great guy. He's super creative. Him and his team has created something called the cell phone permit. You know, you have to get a permit to drive a car, right? Then why would we just give a child a phone that can destroy their life without requiring them to know how to operate it? So even if your kids had a phone for years, I want to encourage you to be here. It's a $150 value. We've worked out a deal with them to give it to you for free. We're paying for it. We're giving it to you for free. But you have to be here next week in church to get it. Okay, gotta be here to get it. Cell phone permit, you can run your kids through it. And even if they mess up with their phone, you you know you say, give me your phone. You gotta go back, retake the course. And if you take it, then you get the phone again. Isn't that brilliant? So be sure to be here next week for the cell phone permit and learn also how to protect your kids from a crazy world. Don't miss next week. Aren't you glad that you have a church that cares enough for your kids to put our money where our mouth is? We love your kids, really do. Last thing I want to tell you is this. I want to talk to the men for a second, but this applies to everyone, but men, I'm I'm really challenging. I got a bullseye on you today, men. And the reason why is because the devil's got a bullseye on you too. And I know it. So I'm coming at you today because I I love you and care for you enough to do this, okay? And so here's what I want to share with you. Romans 8, 9 says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. So if if you're a Christ follower, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that means his spirit is within you. And now it's time to act like it. It's time to live differently. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with, men. The Bible says this in Proverbs 16. Commit to the Lord everything you do, then your plans will succeed. The Lord works everything out for his own purposes. Men, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to get out of neutral. You see, a car that's in neutral tends to always go downhill. Isn't it true? If a car's just sitting in neutral, if it's on a slant anyway, it's going to go downhill every time. I want to challenge you: when you live in neutral, you don't realize that you're damaging your kids just by not being active and moving in the right direction. So get out of neutral now. Now I want to date myself a little bit here, but you guys remember the cars before they had power steering? Now, if you're under thirty, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but everyone over thirty knows that there's cars that used to not have power steering. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? When it was standing still, you tried to turn the wheel, and you're like it, right? It was so hard to turn it off. But once you got it rolling, you could turn it with a finger. It wasn't hard at all once you're moving, right? You see, maybe you're like, I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know how to be a spiritual leader. I mean, hear what you're saying, Pastor. I just don't know how to do all that. Look, just do something. Get going in the right direction. Just start serving. Keep showing up at church. Start, start to you know, figure out how to have a prayer life. Just, just get moving in the right direction. And if you say, well, what if I'm doing the wrong thing? God will steer you in the right direction if you'll just get going. Just get moving so God can then lead you in the direction He wants you in. Does that make sense, man? So here's my challenge to you, final challenge is this. I've learned this about men. If you wanna see the most dangerous communities in in America, anywhere you go, you're gonna find the same thing everywhere. The most dangerous communities in America, the wrong side of Chicago, the wrong side of Houston, the wrong side of Corpus Christi, the wrong side of San Antonio, anywhere, the most dangerous areas of any community, you're gonna find young men with no jobs. Why? Because when men have too much time on their hands, they do bad things. I don't care who you are. Men that are grown men, have families, have jobs. You got too much time on your hand at night, you can do the wrong stuff. You got too much time on your hand on the weekends, you're gonna do the wrong stuff. That's just the way men are. And so because we commit, we either commit good things or we commit sin. It's really true. So here's my challenge for you men. Number four, either you will go for your higher desires or you will fulfill your lower desires. It's one or the other. So set some big goals and begin filling your time shooting for those things. Whether that's the goal to climb the ladder in your company, to start your own business on the side and build it up. Maybe it's to to, to own some real estate. Maybe for you it's to get in great shape. Whatever it is, set some goals and fill your time doing those things. Honoring God, putting God first, getting involved in the church. If you'll fill your time doing the right things, you don't have time to get caught up doing the wrong things. Fill your time up. God will use that in your life. Last thing I want to tell you about is just a quick story. Really good friend of mine. He's a pastor. He's worked for his father. His father was an evangelist. And when he was a young man working for his father, he made a big mistake, messed up. He said, it's the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. He said, I disappointed myself. I know I had this one, my father, I thought he was going to fire me for the ministry. I shouldn't even be in the ministry with what I was doing. He said, I was embarrassed. He said, my dad said, Hey, meet me at Cracker Barrel. So one Saturday morning, he's going to go meet him at Cracker He he walks in. He's expecting his father to lecture him, to let him go, to tell him, you have to go do something else. He sits down. His father walks in, and he has a a bag with him. He sits down. He says, I want to give you something. He opens up the bag, and he gives him a plaque. The plaque says, to the son I've always dreamed of. And on the back of the plaque was a love letter his father had written to him. I love you. I believe in you. And he said this, you were not what you did You are what you do from this day forward. Isn't that beautiful? He said he couldn't believe it. He said to this day, he said, Bill, he told me this. He said, if there was a fire at my house and all the people were out, I would go back in, not for my expensive jewelry, not for any toy I have, I would go back in to get that plaque. That's the power of the influence of a godly man can be in your life. And then his dad said this to him. He said, admit it, quit it, and forget it. Isn't that beautiful? So my challenge for you is this. Dad, you may say, man, I blew it with my kids. I I want to tell you some great things about kids. They're resilient. If you go to them and say, I blew it and I know it, I'm so sorry. Most of the time, 99% of the time, they will forgive you eventually. Even if you blew it for years. If you'll just be humble about it, admit it. That's confession. Admit it. Quit it. Change and forget it. Right now, I just want to ask you to bow your heads across all of our campuses right now. Maybe today God's restoring you. Maybe your prayer today is to say, Pastor, this is a hard hard one for me. I got a father wound. Would you let God begin to bring healing to that wound? Maybe today you need to say something you never said before. And even if you don't quite completely mean it, exercise it by faith. Say it until you believe it. You can say, Father, you forgave me. Show me how to forgive them. You forgave me when I didn't deserve it. Now show me how to forgive them, even though I don't feel like they deserve it. You may be forgiving someone that's not even in your life anymore. They may not even be on this earth anymore, but you have to let God heal that wound so you can move forward. Maybe it's another family member. Maybe it's another person altogether, but you can't move forward until you learn to forgive and maybe you'll have to forgive them today and forgive them again tomorrow morning when you wake up. Forgiveness can be hard. We're not as good as God who can forgive us. But I wanna encourage you to begin today. Say, God, teach me, show me how to forgive. Let the process, let the healing at least begin today. And I wanna speak to those fathers in the room, make a commitment to say, God, as for me in my house, as for me first and in my house. We will serve the Lord. Make that commitment. Make a commitment to say, I'm not just going to come because I was invited to the series. I'm going to come because God's got a whole my life now and this is going to be a regular thing. People say, I haven't heard from God. God says, you know, if you come by my house more often, you'll hear from me all the time. Make a commitment to say, I'm going to make church a regular stop every week. I'm not going to miss because God has too much for me and my family for us to miss. Make it a new habit, a good habit to be in God's house. If you're online with us, say, I'm going to watch every single week so God can speak to me as well. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer across all of our campuses. Those who are watching online, you can give your life to Jesus by praying this prayer with us. Just say this out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart Forgive me my sins. I repent of my sins, and I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just gave your life to Christ. Would you just hold your hand high right now? Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Do that. Hold it up right now all across our campus. Just hold your hand high. Praise God. We see your hands right here at the broadcast campus. Thank you. We see your hands at Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you, Stone Oak. Hold your hand high right there at the brand new church in limited Portland. People have their hands risen. Thank you for giving your life to Christ today. Thank you, Podger Island. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport, Fulton. Those who are online as well. Thank you. If you've given your life to Christ online, would you let us know in the text chat? Just text my hands raised or click hand raised. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ today. Father, thank you for the way you're moving powerfully. Well, we love you thank you for your goodness, your grace in our lives. Thank you, God, that you are a God who restores us. And Lord, thank you, God, that today our story in our family is changing. I pray your blessings over each and every one of our families, Lord. Thank you, God. It starts with us, where we want to lead our families. And Lord, thank you, God, that you will spread it to all of our family. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for the person who maybe isn't the father in their home, but, Lord, they are going to say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, there's so many great examples of people who weren't the dads that said, I'm going to honor God. And then you bless the home just because they were in it. Thank you, God. Lord, today we can only do what we can do. And we choose to honor you. In your name we pray and all those people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.